Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon podcast, episode nine. There's a large closet in the hallway we've used to store all our toys over the years. I found myself sorting through it this week. And as I was looking in there, I noticed some books we used a lot when we were raising our young children. It was fun to remember how much we depended on those books. I remembered I always seemed to find a book I needed with a message I needed when I needed it. There was a particular series of books that proved to be quite helpful. Those were the Berenstein Bear books, written and illustrated by Jan and Stan Berenstein. The stories were all about a family of bears, their adventures and life lessons they learned together. I could pick out a book, sit down with the child, and read the book aloud. The best part about it was, I was reading the story, yes, but the message was coming from the book, not me. Some of my favorite books were The Berenstain Bears Get the Gimmies, Forget Their Manners, Messy Room, Have a Bad Dream, New Baby, and Learn About Strangers. All the books were enjoyable, but my most favorite was The Berenstain Bears and The Big Road Race. I just love this book. It's a book I've never seemed to grow tired of. Are you familiar with that book? Well, guess what? Just for fun, I'm going to read you the book. Yes, I'm going to read you the book today. I recorded it earlier in the week, actually. And to assure that you stay awake and stay entertained, I added some fun sound effects. I mean, come on. When was the last time someone read to you? Here we go. The Berenstain Bears and the Big Road Race. Can Little Red keep up the pace? Can the slowest car win the race? By Jan and Stan Berenstain. Four big cars, orange, yellow, green, and blue. Err, said orange, long and low. Room, said yellow, ready to go. Grrr, said green, big and mean. Roar, roar, the blue car said. Wait, there's one more car. It was Little Red. Put, 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 said Little Red. The starter's flag waved and off they sped. Roar, roar, room, roar. When the dust had cleared, there was Red. Put, put, cough, said Little Red. Over, under, around and through, went orange, yellow, green, and blue. Up and down, down and around, through the town and country scene, went yellow, orange, blue, and green. Those other drivers laughed at Red. Ha, 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 they all said. That Red's a joke. He's nothing more than an old slowpoke. What said Red? He didn't say grr or vroom or roar. Little Red said what he said before. Put, 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 put. There goes Yellow taking the lead. Green is second, putting on speed. 
Orange and blue catching up fast. Where is red? Dead last. I cannot lose, shouted yellow, a very boastful sort of fellow. A first place finish is my goal. But he was so busy bragging, he didn't see a big pothole. Ha, said the others, roaring past. Where was red? Still behind, but no longer last. Who will win the big road race? Can these cars keep up the pace? Up ahead, Dead Bear's Curve. I won't slow down for Dead Bear's Curve. Orange Driver was all nerve. All nerve, but not much sense. Oh, great. Orange went right through the fence. It's a two-car race, Green's driver said, forgetting all about Little Red. Put, 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 said Little Red. The driver of Green was really mean. He reached into the glove compartment. It was time for the dirty tricks department. It wasn't a very nice thing to do, but that was that. The blue car's tires all went flat. I've got it won, Green's driver said. The finish line is just ahead. As he said it, a fast food store came into sight. Hmm, said Green. Racing gives me an appetite. Oh, I've beaten orange, yellow, and blue. As for red, huh, nowhere in view. There's plenty of time for a little snack. A burger and fries, please, in a sack. But Red never quit. He just kept coming. His putt-putt motor kept right on humming. And while Green waited for his stuff, Red putted right past. The fast food store wasn't fast enough. Look, look, it's little Red. Hooray, hooray, the bears all said. The road race winner is Little Red. Put, 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 said Little Red. Wasn't that fun? Don't you just love the story of Little Red? I thought about this book as I was writing out Helaman chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. There's so much in these three verses, we will just focus specifically on them today. In this next chapter, right after the marvelous missionary experiences of Nephi and Lehi we discussed last week, most Lamanites have surpassed the Nephites in righteousness. Verses 1 through 3 read, And it came to pass that when the sixty and second year of the reign of the judges had ended, all these things had happened, and the Lamanites had become, the more part of them, a righteous people, insomuch that their righteousness did exceed that of the Nephites because of their firmness and their steadiness in the faith. For behold, there were many of the Nephites who had become hardened and impenitent and grossly wicked, insomuch that they did reject the word of God in all the preaching and prophesying which did come among them. Nevertheless, the people of the church did have great joy because of the conversion of the Lamanites, yea, because of the church of God which had been established among them. And they did fellowship one with another, and did rejoice one with another, and did have great joy. The first thing I noticed about writing this out were the two reasons that were given as to why the Lamanites were more righteous than the Nephites. What were they? 
firmness and their steadiness in the faith. I'm sure those recently converted members were also humble and teachable, kind, charitable, and compassionate. Yet firmness and steadiness are the traits that are highlighted here. Why? Talking with my husband about this last night, we concluded that the characteristics of firm and steadiness would take time to establish, right? Also, to add to that, when we read that the reasons the Lamanites outshined the Nephites in righteousness was because the Nephites were, what, hardened and impenitent, yes, and grossly wicked, but also, insomuch they did reject the word of God and, as well, as all the preaching and prophesying which did come among them. It's been my experience, maybe yours too, that arriving at this place of rejecting the word of God from all its sources takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. There seems to be a time lapse here, which isn't unusual because we are told about 50 times throughout the scriptures from many different record keepers that, quote, this book cannot contain even a hundredth part, unquote. Remember, this whole book is a summary of large numbers of written history. I can't imagine having that job to do. I also very much so appreciate and love what we do have, and I know it's inspired. It's good to remind ourselves not all the details could be included here. Also, I believe it's essential to remember just because some of the details are not included doesn't mean they're not important. I found adding detail to what I read now brings fullness and texture to people and events they're involved with. So here, when I think of time passing, I see in this case, Lamanites made decisions that would qualify them to be described as firm and steady. On the other hand, the Nephites used the same time to make decisions that hardened them and pulled them away from God. Remember the question, what does that look like? Let's ask it. According to this situation in the Book of Mormon, what does it look like to not be firm and steadfast in the faith? The answer could be many different qualities, but the one it gives here in verse 2 says, Behold, you notice it starts with behold. They did reject the word of God and all the preaching and prophesying which did come among them. In my mind, I categorize the word of God as the written word and the preaching and prophesying which did come among them as current spiritual leadership or living prophets. So, if we were to take a look at what qualifies to not be firm and steadfast in the faith, we'd have to reject the written word of God and the directions of current church leadership. From the first time I wrote these three verses out, I noticed I was left with a feeling of sadness. I could see that in verse 3 there were positive words used such as righteousness, conversion, joy, fellowship, and rejoice. Even after reading the happy words and saw that it ended well, I could still feel struggle, conflict, and difficulty. Why was that? I couldn't pinpoint it, and it really bothered me for a few days, until I realized the real why. It was because of the first word used in the third verse, nevertheless. Now, you know I love that word. But in these verses, I could feel there was angst and struggle to work through to get to the good. There was good to be had, but acquiring the good required effort and faith. This sounds so much like today, doesn't it? We know we've felt the Spirit testify of truth 
Yet there's something about a policy or a guideline from the current leadership that bugs us. We don't know why, and we don't understand why, but it gets under our skin. We feel uneasy and uncomfortable. We don't know what to do or what to think. We know the decisions we will make will impact us as well as those around us. We can decide, will we be hardened and pull away from God because we don't know all the answers now? Or will we allow unknown answers to be a force allowing us to stand firm and steady? You see, we can't qualify as firm and steady unless there was some sort of opposition blowing against us. Which brings us to verse 3. Nevertheless, the people of the church did have great joy because of the conversion of the Lamanites, yea, because of the church of God, which had been established among them. And they did fellowship one with another, and did rejoice one with another, and did have great joy. To put it simply, the Lamanite converts were fellowship by members that were happy for them, and they rejoiced together. So now, instead of just seeing the words Lamanites and the converts were fellowshiped and they rejoiced together, I'm going to add some details that will bring fullness and texture to what I'm reading because I know doing this will bring this situation realness to my mind. So this is how I'm going to think about it. I imagine I'm standing in the foyer of my ward building now, word has it that these new converts are firm and steady in their testimonies. And you know what? I'm curious what opposition they endure to qualify for that description. I wonder about their backstories. What did they go through to get here? How did they hear about the gospel? What was the reaction of friends and family to their conversion? Is it possible some had been rejected and scoffed at and disowned because they chose to walk away from false tradition and embraced a new way of life? What about the new Lamanite converts? How might they be feeling? Nervous, apprehensive, unsure? They might wonder, will I be accepted? Will I be loved? Will I see what I've been taught in the lives of the people I worship with? I begin to think about the people doing the fellowshipping as well. How have they fared through all this? How might they be feeling? How would it feel if I were them? Would it be easy or uncomfortable to welcome a group of people that have a history of causing torment, harm, or even death to your people? Are they sincere? Do you trust them enough to sit by them at church or watch your children in nursery? Also something to be considered is remember we read that many of the Nephites had become hardened and impenitent. Since it's possible that some of these members welcoming and being happy for these newly converted Lamanites may have known some of those dissenters, could they have been in their wards? Could they have served with them? Maybe they witnessed close friends and loved ones turning their backs on inspired truths and left the church, only to embrace empty promises. Could they have been carrying griefs of their own? When we look beyond what is written, we can better appreciate what a big deal this gathering was. Everyone involved on both sides had to lay down their insecurities, prejudices, pain, angst, and all those unanswered questions over to God, making this difficult decision to meet together in the spirit of fellowship and love despite what they didn't understand 
I believe was the opposition that qualified all of them to be firm and steady in the faith. I'm sure they're well aware of the differences that were between them, but they came together to rejoice in what they had in common. What did they have in common? They shared firm testimonies that a promised Messiah would come soon. They all believed there is no other way a man could be saved, only through the atoning blood of Jesus. I believe they had faith that it wasn't necessary to have all the answers right now. They knew being together, they could still endure trials and still find joy. I guess you could say they're a little like Brother Bear driving Little Red. They were firm and steadfast in their faith. No matter what came their way, ridicule, pride, or downright meanness, that putt-putt car just kept on coming. When we read words from good books, our minds grow. When we are taught goodness by the words that are not present, our hearts understand the message. It's not important to discover it first. It's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.